Hey, you turn this stinking thing on. Oh, there's the little button. Nice. I was wondering where that button was. Hashtag boom. Thanks, Lena. Yeah, seriously. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even, though who, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will, wit, will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind him a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira, something like that, and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lamps, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of the man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like a roar of many waters." In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a, two, a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Hashtag boom. Thank you so much, Lena. Right now, if I were to die, I have somewhere written down that... um, Part of that will be my funeral text. And so um, I, love, I love that section of scripture a lot. And there's, there's some really powerful stuff in there. We are kicking off a brand new series. Uh, we are kicking off a brand new series, a four-week series on the book of Revelation. 
How this is possible, I don't know. I have no idea how this is going to happen, but we're going to get her done, I think. Um, I'm super excited about it. Have you, I don't know if you've ever done a study on Revelation before. I have not tackled the book of Revelation uh, for our church uh, in the past seven, six, seven years. I have not tackled this book yet. We're going to try to tackle it, and, uh, but I'm going to make it only four weeks because if I go 15, we'll probably get so far into details, I'll probably gut our church and nobody will come kind of thing. So I'm going to keep this high level um, and, and um, that, that's kind of how I see this. I see this as a, a broad guide. I want to be a broad guide for us as we enter into this book. If you were to ask me to take you hunting in Colorado, okay? If you were to come up to me and say, hey, would you take me, Seth, hunting in Colorado and guide me where to go to shoot a mule deer or something like that? I would take you to a place that I've been before. That's what I would do. But there's a bunch of places in Colorado where you can hunt, see? There's a bunch of places that I haven't been. I would just take you to where I have been and kind of show you around. And then at some point, I might say to you something like, you know, I've never been over that ridge, but maybe go check it out. And when you go over to that ridge and walk over the top and look, I don't know what you'll see. Maybe there'll be a valley. Maybe there'll be trees. Maybe there'll be a field. I don't know. So that's kind of how I see. You know, I got, I got a lot of chapters in the book of Revelation tackling probably one of the most, uh, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? All sorts of different opinions and all sorts of different thoughts on the book of Revelation. We're a very diverse church around, I'm, I'm guessing, how some people think about the book of Revelation. So I'm tackling something that's kind of, whoo, this could be kind of a hot topic feel to it. And yet, we've got to engage it at some level. I mean, the book of Revelation is awesome. We just heard Lena say, the one who reads this aloud is going to be blessed by it. So, okay, sweet. Well, let's receive that. That'll be awesome to be blessed by this in some way. Okay, but, but I'm not going to zero in on it so much because I kind of do have a bit of a simple way of thinking about the book of Revelation and some of that's going to come out as well. And so we're just going to, we're going to engage it, recognizing there's different interpretations on some things. Um, there's going to be some different thoughts on how, what you might have thought about it. I'm already excited because I'm into commentaries this past week all over the place and just, just devouring all sorts of different thoughts on the book of Revelations. And so it's been a lot of fun for me already. But okay, all of that to simply say this, there's, there's three kind of lenses that I want you to see how I'm going to approach these four weeks. So I just want to be honest about these things, okay? And I want to just tell them to you up front. And I'm going to try to show you at times when I'm focusing on one of them. The first lens that I'm thinking about and, and, and how I'm going to share the, 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 the book of Revelation is there will be some things that I am just confident in. So sometimes I'm just going to say something with confidence, and I'm going to say, this is kind of an authoritative word. I would suggest, for example, one of my main points today is a pretty authoritative word, that the book of Revelation is about Jesus. So I don't, that, that's not really up for debate. That's just, I'm going to say that with a bit 
of authority. I'm going to say that confidently and say, this is what it is, okay? So sometimes I'm going to say some stuff like that. There's going to be other times I'm going to bring out um, some different ways you might see some things. There, there might be different views on it. It might be different opinions on it. And so when those things especially come out, I'll try to throw those things out there. We're only talking four weeks here, so it's not, this isn't a lot. But when a couple things come out like, eh, this is how you might look at this, this is how might, you might look like this, I'll try to be honest about and fair how some other people maybe think about it. Just for an example, not even the book of Revelation, Matthew 24. You guys remember the story? I, I shared this last week, and this is how I think of the end honestly, a lot, which is Jesus saying, I'm going to come soon, be ready. That, that to me is this whole series in a nutshell. Jesus is coming back, be ready. That being said, there's a little section in there, and, and some of you, if you know your Bibles, if, you're, if, if, you're not a, if you don't know your Bible, just hang with me for a second. But if you know your Bible, there's a little section in there where he says, there will be two men out in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. And then there's two women grinding at the little wheel thing or whatever, and one will be taken, one will be left. Well, typically that's seen because of our, uh, typically that's seen by a lot of people as the person who's taken is the positive. And the person that's left is the negative. Well, I, I would simply say this to you, and this, not to burst anybody's bubble, but some would argue the opposite. That it's actually, in the context, the person that's left is the one that's blessed, and the person that's taken is the negative. Have you ever heard that? Probably not. It's not really a popular thought, but that, that's just an example. You could actually... That's not a big one. I'm actually kind of going with a really soft one there because you could kind of think about that a little bit differently and still come to different conclusions. But there are some large ideas that once you kind of latch onto it, it is going to take you down a certain path of how you think about end times stuff, okay? Um, some that are really confident in, like the purpose of this is Jesus, that I'm really confident in, as most would be confident in. But then others, like little details, like, well, is the guy that gets taken away, is that the guy that's blessed, or is the guy that's left blessed? And you might have different opinions on that. See? And then my last point is this. I will try to sometimes share my opinion on something. And it is Seth Kunze's opinion at this stage of my life. So I'm kind of saying that really as, as tightly as I can. Does that make sense? So I, potentially and hopefully God shapes me and molds me and grows me and I grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so when I do the book of Revelation in 30 years, I'm sure it'll look and feel a little bit different than I'm doing it in this four-week little section. Does that make sense? But when I'm sharing my opinion, I'll try to tell you that and I'll try to let you know what this is, seems to be my opinion on the matter. Does that make sense? So that's where we're going I want to pray, and um, I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into the, the, the first chapter here of Revelation, okay? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this incredible time. Uh, thank you for this word. I thank you for this revelation, this apocalypsis, this, this un unraveling, un un this revealing uh, of you, ultimately, Jesus. I thank you for that. What a blessing this book of the Bible is to us. And uh, may it shape us and mold us and, and transform our hearts 
uh, as we await for your return. Help us to be prepared and to be ready and help it to, to be the kind of thing that shapes us and molds us into the kinds of people that you call us to be, Lord. Lord, we're excited to receive what you have for us. We're excited. It's your word to us. So speak to us clearly now. And, um, and, and, and I just pray that you, God, would receive all the praise and honor and glory. We love you and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. These are my three points for today. One's the main point and then there's two sub points. First main point, Jesus is the focus. This is the primary part of all of, of, of the book of Revelation. Um, and because Jesus is the focus of Revelation, there's two sub points that come out. This is all the way through the book. The first sub point is something like, this brings comfort to those who are going through trials and tribulations. And the second sub point is, this idea that it actually inspires us towards mission. I would probably argue that's the book of Revelation in kind of a nutshell, okay? That it's about Jesus and his return as well as leading up to his return. And this now brings us comfort, which I find to be fascinating. I can't wait to unpack that sub point. It actually brings us comfort. It doesn't freak us out and, ah, what am I? I don't know what to think about it. No, it bring, it's to bring us comfort in the midst of trials and tribulations. And second, it inspires the followers of Jesus to be on mission. So my first main point here is that Jesus is the focus. Let's look at a couple texts, um, a couple spots just to prove this, okay? First of all, the very first word in the Greek is apocalypsis, which is an unveiling, a revealing of Jesus Christ, okay? So the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the first line. It's the first thing. It's telling us the whole point is going to be about Jesus, okay? Chapter 1, verse one. Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven. Um, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He's coming. So right off in chapter one, we're told he's coming back. That's what the point's going to be. He's telling us the point of the book. Okay, um, then we get a picture of him. Did you see that? I love this picture of Jesus. We actually don't, get, we're not given a lot of description of Jesus in the Bible. Physical, physical features of Jesus are not given in the Bible very often at all. Uh, you can make a couple, you know, inferences kind of thing, but not direct stuff. This, we're actually painted some visible, physical Features of Jesus, which I find fascinating. Now, this is Jesus in his a kind of glorified state. But what are some things that are said? I see him, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe. With I don't have this on the screen. A golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool. Uh, like white wool. Like snow. I remember one of my black... Uh, black friend saying, man, Jesus has got an afro. That's pretty good. I think that's, that's there's, he's got something there. His eyes were like a flame of fire. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his hand, he's holding these seven stars. And out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. And we have this incredible picture of Jesus. This guy, this, this guy, this being is what the book's going to be about. We already see a picture of him already. Uh, chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. I love, this is the part that I'd like at my funeral, at least in some way. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Uh, chapter 22, I mean, we can't go through the whole book right now. Chapter 22, verse 20. I just want you to see the second to the last verse. All I'm trying to do is point out to you that revelation is about Jesus. Uh, look at this last part. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. This is how the Bible ends. Second to the last verse. Surely I am coming soon, Jesus says. And then it says this, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen, come now Lord Jesus. Jesus in his glorified state, all powerful, all powerful, all knowing, with as a kind of conqueror, I'm bringing some images from Revelation already here, as a kind of conqueror, the beginning and the end is said of him here in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, later it'll come out, the Alpha and the Omega, I know that's in chapter 1, whether that's being attributed directly to Jesus there in that spot doesn't even matter. At another point in Revelation, it comes out directly. The Alpha and the Omega... This, this being, not creature, this being will be the one that Revelation is all about. And if you read through Revelation and you don't have that in mind, you're going to miss what Revelation's all about. And you're going to get sucked into trying to figure out what this little thing is and what this little thing is and how this equals this CNN uh, argument and how this equals what Fox is saying is happening over in the Middle East here and this is what's all this stuff you'll start zeroing in on that and you're going to miss Jesus which is why the main point of the book you got to keep this in mind as you read through it is about Jesus that's all I'm trying to say and it's this Jesus who will set things straight He's the right guy, and this is why these pictures of Jesus are so important. He's the right guy for the job. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you had a problem, but as soon as you found out somebody that you knew was an expert in that problem was going to be part of the equation, that everything was okay? You know, you had a, you had a, 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 a carpentry job. And uh, you're like, man, I don't know how this is going to get fixed in my house. But then you, your friend, who's a carpenter, comes over, to, is come on their way. You're like, phew, I'm okay. 
Billy's coming, and once Billy gets here, it's going to be all good. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying Billy. Sorry, Billy. I, I just went to Billy. We got a Billy. I got to think of names that we don't have. I was just using a random Billy. But Billy actually probably knows a lot about carpentry. I saw some of the stuff you've made. Actually, that was spot on, actually, Billy. Uh, but if Billy's coming to my house, then it's going to be okay because he knows how to handle the, the problem, right? Or have you ever had your car break down and you're like, oh man, but then your friend is coming over who's a mechanic and you're like, okay, once I give this problem over to the mechanic, my friend, it's going to be okay because they know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had something like that? You, know, you can imagine all sorts of different situations where you have a problem, but once, once somebody you know is coming into the situation, it's going to be okay. Well, how are we going to fix things like sin? How are we going to fix things like death? Well, how are we going to fix things like the dragon that shows up in Revelation? How are we going to fight against and fix that problem, these problems, right? Well, it's going to be the one who holds the keys. <laughs> it's going to be the one who, who's the lamb that's covered in blood, his own blood, that he's shedding for the forgiveness of sins. It's going to be the one riding on a horse that's got a, a sword coming out of his This one, this being in, in Revelation chapter one, that's just comes off as all powerful, that one will be the one who can fix some of these problems. See? And the return of Jesus to make things all right again, it's going to be okay. He's coming. Is a huge way in which you have to see the book of Revelation. It's like when one of my kids, you know, there's fighting going on or something's happening and something's going, and they finally involve dad. And as dad turns his attention towards the problem, it's going to get fixed. It's going to get worked out, right? Because I'm going to enter into the equation and I'm going to sort it out. And I'm going to get the appropriate things done that need to happen that, you know, a little, you know, three-year-old can't figure out how to accomplish the, the, the turmoil or whatever it might be. But dad's going to come in and I'm going to straighten it out. And we have a picture here of Jesus in this glorified state. He's going to straighten it out. This is why I love the idea of me laying in a casket. I love the idea of me laying in a casket and, and, and just dead. And I, how do I get out of that? How do I fix that? How do I figure that out? Well, it's the only way is going to be through this being. <laughs> the only way is this one who has actually died but is alive again. That's the only way. I feel like I should preach my own message because I just don't think somebody's going to do it justice the way I want it done. You know what I'm saying? I'm nervous about my funeral already. Oh, he better not screw that up. I, I know who's going to be doing it right now and I could just see him screwing it all up. Jesus is the right guy for the job. All the problems we face through the book of Revelation, all the stuff, all the blah, it's going to be okay because of this one. This, because Jesus is the focus of the book of Revelation, and you can't miss that, 
That brings us to two subpoints. The first subpoint is that this brings us incredible comfort in the face of tribulation. And what I want you to see is chapter 1, verse 9, this actually gets said. I, John, who wrote this revelation, he, he, he saw the re revealing of, the, of Jesus. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's writing to the church that's in tribulation. This original timing of, 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 of John writing this, exactly when he wrote it, I don't know, I probably lean towards um, a, a kind of traditional understanding of when he wrote, which would be in the 90s. Um, Nero, the emperor, has already done a, a kind of Roman city persecution of Christians. Um, Nero has kind of done some, some persecuting work. Then the emperor... Domitian comes into the scene. He actually begins to ramp things up even more. He's the emperor between 81 and 96 BC, AD, AD. Nerva becomes the emperor. Then Trajan, who, who even accelerates things further, he's from 98 to 117. The persecution of Christians begins, to, kind of with Nero around that time, begins to ramp up. And for the next hundreds of years, there's this, across the empire, the Roman Empire, there's a persecution of those who say, Jesus is Lord, he is my God, and the emperor, you know, you want me to put a little salt before the, 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 the sacrifice of Zeus or something, I'm not going to do it or you want me to declare the emperor also is God, I'm not doing it. This begins to be a real problem for the Christians. They're okay giving, you know, giving that to, to Caesar what's Caesar, and to God what's God, but that which we give to God is the only direction of our worship. And so when the Roman Empire said, demanded, you must worship the emperor, or you must worship the way we're calling you to worship, and the Christians said, no, it's not happening, they began to face incredible persecution and suffering. What did that look like? Well, that looked like um, all sorts of different things, tying up a, a person's arms and limbs, having animals pull them until they're ripped off their body, uh, that's that's um, being burned at the stake, being burned in front of your family. It's going to the lions. And they began to experience this. This is not being able to, to buy things in the marketplace because the, the, the community would shun you for being a follower of Jesus. These are things happening even now today all throughout the world. You don't experience those things at that level right now, but we might. Uh, Tertullian, who's a, a theologian early on, 
he says this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed, is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And the empire thought that as they put Christians to death and as they faced more and more persecution, that they would push down Christianity, but it did just the opposite effect. And Tertullian said, it's the blood of the martyrs that was actually the seed of the church. And the church only expanded and grew. And we actually see this happening even now throughout, throughout the world. Where there's widespread persecution of Christianity, oftentimes it does not suppress it, but in fact it unleashes it and it only plants seeds and, and, and God does even, even more. But it was in this context of tribulation that the book of Revelation is given to the church and this actually began to give them hope and peace and comfort and even things like joy. You can even read about these things historically where they would say the, the, the Christians would go to the lions singing hymns and with, with joy, not happy. Not excited to have to go do this, but with the kind of joy that's ours because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So this would, this word, this word, this revelation of Jesus, this book that is, is kind of the end of the, the Bible, you might say, bringing to us this word of 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 who this Jesus really is, gave the early church incredible comfort and peace and joy to face the trials and the tribulations that were in their life. This is why John asks us at the end of Revelation, that second to the last verse, what does it say? It says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And then John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. This is the prayer of the church. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. This is the kind of prayer that we pray every day. Come now Lord Jesus. Come now Lord Jesus. And I want you to, and this kind of goes back to last week's message a little bit, but I want you to reflect on a little bit, how much do you want to pray that prayer? Because I, this is just a guess, but I almost get the guess, many of us don't feel this internal like, yeah, I want to pray that prayer every day. And I almost wonder if it's because we've kind of fallen in love at times with the world. Because I will tell you this, if you're about to be thrown to the lions, if, if right now we were all rounded up and we were brought into the, the big Coliseum thing and we're going to go out to meet the lions, you know what I can tell you? You'll pray. You know what? You'll pray if I kind of lead us in a little message of, hey, at the book, end of Revelation, it says to pray, amen, come Lord Jesus. Anybody want to pray that? We'd all pray that. We'd be like, come Lord Jesus right now. Come right now. If, you're, if, you're, if your little kid, if your, your daughter is dying up at Kingwood Hospital, 
You know what your kind of prayers, you, you know what you're feeling and you want to pray in that moment? Come Lord Jesus. You're praying that prayer. Come now Lord Jesus. You know if you're in a North Korean prison somewhere and you got the next 40 years to just basically be in a labor camp because you had a Bible and they caught you and some of your family turned you in. You know what you're praying probably every day in North Korean prison? Come, Lord Jesus. Come now, Lord Jesus. I get nervous. We don't want to pray that prayer because I got my new truck to go back to. I got my, this over here to go to. I got my, I'm going, going camping this weekend kind of thing. Those aren't bad things. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying the, uh, what I want you to understand is the, what I'm really trying to bring you here is just this word of, of, of how to read the book of Revelation. See, when you're, when you're eating McDonald's and you're sitting at your YouTube, your, your computer, and you're just enjoying life, and you're going camping this weekend, and you're trying to figure out what the mark of the beast is, I'm not even sure you're going to be able to figure it out. Because you might not be reading it from in the right context of getting thrown to the lions. You see what I'm trying to kind of just say a little bit? This is meant to bring us comfort. I get people come up to me and be like, I don't know who the dragon is. I don't know what it's going to be. This is, everything's freaky. Everything's so scary. Well, the whole point of this was meant to bring the church comfort and peace and hope in the midst of tribulation. So that's my sub point one. My sub point two is simply this. It inspires us towards mission. There's two, this isn't necessarily in chapter one explicit but it is kind of an inference. I hope I'm using the word inference right. I've used it a couple times today. I don't really know what it means, so. <laughs> Just sounds like a good word. Chapter 1, verse 7. Look at what it says. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. This impacts everybody. This is your neighbor, your family. Every single person on the planet gets impacted because of this, what's going on in here. So it begins to inspire us, move us, do something in us as followers of Jesus that begins to make us want to point outwards of ourselves to the people around us. And the other little spot that I point out is this. Look at verse well, I don't have it on the screen, but look at uh, verse 6. And he made us a kingdom, priests. Priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter unpacks this, right? Peter unpacks this when he says, um, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. We're a priesthood. We're the kind of people who wear the little collar every day, proclaiming the good news of what Jesus has done. And so this book begins to stir us up to be the kind of people who will share this Jesus who's the right guy for the job for all their problems, for all my problems. Not that they're all a bunch of sinners, but I'm the guy standing here saying, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of the right guy for the job. I've now seen, my eyes have been opened that it's this Jesus whose, whose voice is like many waters, whose eyes are blazing like fire, 
who's, who's this powerful conqueror now in a glorified state. I'm like, that's our answer. That's the one. And now I begin to do what John the Baptist does, which is point to Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less. Uh, let me just read to you this. Um, this is from a commentary. This is what this guy says. The more the Christian is confident by faith, strengthened through word and sacrament of going to heaven because of the merits of Christ, the more the Spirit moves the believer to desire to enter heaven. I love that. And the more the Christian desires the glory of God in heaven, the more the Spirit moves him to witness through this longing hope of faith. I don't know. I like that. Why is Jesus not coming back yet? Why hasn't he come back? Watch this. Romans, I want you to see in Romans. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches, and I'm using this intentionally to transition us between today's message and next week's message. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? He's not returning yet because he's kind and he's forbearing and he's patiently waiting for more to repent. Which is really what Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, as he writes to the churches, is all about. It's a pre- It's preparing the church to receive the revelation from chapter 4 through 22. And how they're to prepare is to repent. That's going to be my argument for chapter 2 and chapter 3 next week. As the early church received the word that Jesus had for them and is for us as well. We're called to repent. We're called to repent. We're called to look to this Jesus And when we do that in the face of trials and tribulation, we will have comfort. (laughs) We will have incredible comfort. We will even have joy, peace that surpasses understanding. And it also begins to stir us up to look at my next door neighbor who will one day have to deal. Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow. One day... My neighbor's got to deal with Jesus, and I'd rather him deal with Jesus today. Okay? In chapter 4 and chapter 5, it'll go read chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation. It's an image given. That is to be an image that we see as we read the rest of the book. This is what I would argue at this point. To read, as we read through the rest of the book, this image again of Jesus, the lamb with blood that was shed for you and for me. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Yes, he is. Yes. The right guy for the job, conquering sin, death, the power of the enemy, it's that one, Jesus Jesus. Don't lose sight of that as you read through the book of Revelation. I'd encourage you to do that this next week. I'd encourage you to read through the whole book. Read it in one sitting. 
Read it in five sittings. I don't care. But read through the book of Revelation. And let's just start asking the Spirit of God to reveal to us what he's got for us. Today, I can confidently say the book is about Jesus. It's to actually bring you comfort and hope in the face of trials and tribulation. And it's to stir us up to witness to the people around us. Let's pray. Lord, Spirit of the living God, (laughs) fall afresh upon us. I thank you for this incredible word. I thank you for the opportunity as a church to for four weeks study this incredible book. We're excited to see how you would shape us and mold us as we engage with your word. I don't know, Lord, if I've ever been as excited about this series um, in any of our series. I'm just stoked to dive into some of this. Lord, help us to not, help us to, to, to just come to you and, and listen what you would want to say to us. The shepherd, the good shepherd, and how you'd speak to us. Jesus, I thank you that today, if we're a Christian in the room or if we're not a Christian, we all get to come to you. And you come to us to strengthen our faith, to bring us the gift of faith. Holy Spirit, would you just move in us now? Stir us up to take that next step that you'd have in front of us. Your word is simply a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. As you reveal the next step for us in our walk with you, Jesus, just give us now the courage to take that step. We love you, Jesus. Amen.